The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien Continuing the first chapter, halfway through page 33. As for Bilbo Baggins, even while he was making his speech, he had been fingering the golden ring in his pocket, his magic ring that he had kept secret for many years. As he stepped down, he slipped it on his finger, and he was never seen by any hobbit in Hobbiton again. He walked briskly back to his hole, and stood for a moment, listening with a smile to the din in the pavilion, and to the sounds of merry-making in other parts of the field. Then he went in. He took off his party clothes, folded up and wrapped in tissue paper, his embroidered silk waistcoat, and put it away. Then he put quickly on some old untidy garments and fastened round his waist a worn leather belt. On it hung a short sword and a battered black leather scabbard. From a locked drawer, smelling of mothballs, he took out an old cloak and hood. They had been locked up as if they were something very precious. But they were so patched and weather-strained that their original color could hardly be guessed. They might have been dark green. They were rather too large for him. He then went into his study and from a large, strong box took out a bundle wrapped in old clothes and a leather-bound manuscript and a large, bulky envelope. The book and bundle he stuffed into the top of a heavy bag that was standing there already nearly full. Into the envelope he slipped his golden ring and its fine chain and then sealed it and addressed it to Frodo. At first, he put it on the mantelpiece, but suddenly he removed it and stuck it in his pocket. At that moment, the door opened, and Gandalf came in quickly. Hello, said Bilbo. I wondered if you would turn up. I am glad to find you visible, replied the wizard, sitting down in a chair. I wanted to catch you and have a few final words. I suppose you feel that everything has gone off splendidly and according to plan? Yes, I do, said Bilbo, though that flash was surprising. It quite startled me, and let alone the others. A little addition of your own, I suppose? It was. You have wisely kept that ring secret all these years, and it seemed to me necessary to give your guest something else that would seem to explain your sudden vanishment. "'And would spoil my joke. "'You are interfering, old busybody,' laughed Bilbo. "'But I expect you know best, as usual.' "'I do, when I know anything. "'But I don't feel too sure about this whole affair. "'It is now come to the final point. "'You have had your joked, and alarmed or offended most of your relations, "'and given the whole shire something to talk about for the next nine days or so.' Or ninety-nine, more likely. Are you going any further? Yes, I am. I feel I need a holiday. A very long holiday. As I have told you before. Probably a permanent holiday. I don't expect I shall return. In fact, I mean not to. And I have made all the arrangements. I am old Gandalf. I don't look it. But I'm beginning to feel it in my heart of hearts. "'Well preserved indeed,' he snorted. "'Why, well, I feel all thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean, "'like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. "'That can't be right. I need a change or something.' "'Gandalf looked curiously and closely at him. "'No, it does not seem right,' he said thoughtfully. "'No, after all, I believe your plan is probably best.' "'Well, I've made up my mind anyway.' 
I want to see mountains again, Gandalf. Mountains. And then find somewhere I can rest in peace and quiet, without a lot of relatives prying around and a string of confounded visitors hanging on the bell. I might find somewhere where I can finish my book. I thought of a nice ending for it. And he lived happily ever after. To the end of his days. Gandalf laughed. I hope you will. But nobody will read the book, however it ends. Oh, they may in years to come. Frodo has read some already. As far as it has gone. You'll keep an eye on Frodo, won't you? Yes, I will. Two eyes, as often as I can spare them. He would come with me if I asked him, of course. In fact, he offered once, just before the party. But he doesn't really want to yet. I want to see the wild country again before I die. And the mountains... But he is still in love with the Shire, with woods and fields and little rivers. He ought to be comfortable here. I am leaving everything to him, of course, except a few ottomans. I hope he will be happy. When he gets used to being on his own, it's time he has his own master now. Everything, said Gandalf. The ring as well. You agreed to that, you remember. Well, er, yes, I suppose so, Stam- stammered Bilbo. Where is it? In an envelope, if you must know, said Bilbo impatiently. There, on the mantelpiece. Well, no. Here it is in my pocket. He hesitated. Isn't that odd now? He said softly to himself. Yet, after all, why not? Why shouldn't it stay here? Gandalf looked again very hard at Bilbo, and there was a gleam in his eyes. I think, Bilbo, he said quietly, I should leave it behind. Don't you want to? Well, yes. And no. Now, it comes to it, I don't like parting with it at all. I may say, and I don't really see why I should. Why do you want me to? He asked, and a curious change came over his voice. It was sharp and suspicion and annoyance. You're always battering me about the ring, but you have never bothered me about the other things that I got on my journey. No, but I had to badger you, said Gandalf. I wanted the truth. It was important. Magic rings are, well, magical, and they are rare and curious. I was professionally interested in your ring, you may say, and still am. I should like to know where it is. If you go wandering again, also, I think you have it, and you've had it quite long enough. You won't need it any more. Bilbo, unless I am quite mistaken, Bilbo flushed, and there was an angry glint in his eyes. His kindly face grew hard. Why not? he cried. And what business is it of yours, anyway, to know what I do with my own things? It is my own. I found it. It came to me. Yes, yes, said Gandalf, but there is no need to get angry. If I am, it is your fault, said Bilbo. It is mine, I tell you, my own. My precious. Yes, my precious. The wizard's face remained grave and attentive. Only a flicker in his deep eyes showed that he was startled and indeed alarmed. It has been called that before, he said, but not by you. But I say it now, and why not? Even if Gollum said the same thing once, it's not his now, but mine. And I shall keep it, I say. Gandalf stood up. He spoke sternly. You will be a fool if you do, Bilbo, he said. You make that clear with every word you say. It has got far too much hold of you. Let it go, and then you can go yourself and be free. I'll do as I choose and go as I please, said Bilbo obstinately. 
Now, now, my dear Hobbit, said Gandalf, all your life we have been friends, and you owe me something. Come, do as you promised. Give it up. Well, if you want the ring for yourself, I say so, cried Bilbo. But you won't get it. I won't give my precious away, I tell you. His hand strayed to the hilt of his small sword. Gandalf's eyes flashed. It will be my turn to get angry soon, he said. If you say that again, I shall. Then you will see Gandalf the Grey uncloaked. He took a step towards the hobbit, and he seemed to grow tall and menacing. His shadow filled the room. Bilbo backed away to the wall, breathing hard, his hand clutching at the pocket. They stood for a while, facing one another. The air of the room tingled. Gandalf's eyes remained bent on the hobbit. Slowly his hands relaxed, and he began to tremble. I-I-I don't know what has come over you, Gandalf, he said. You've never been like this before. What is it all about? It is mine, isn't it? I found it, and Gollum would have killed me if I hadn't kept it. I'm not a thief, whatever he said. I have never called you one, said Gandalf, and I am not one either. I'm trying, not trying to rob you, but to help you. I wish you would trust me as you used. He turned away, and the shadow passed. He seemed to dwindle again to the old man, and he bent down and troubled. Bilbo drew his hand over his eyes. I am sorry, he said, but I felt so queer, and yet it would be a relief in a way. Don't have to be bothered with it any more. It has been so growing on my mind lately. Sometimes I felt it was like an eye looking at me, and I am always wanting to put it on and disappear, don't you know? Or wondering if it is safe, and pulling it out to make sure. I tried locking it up, but I found I couldn't resist it without it being in my pocket. I don't know why, and I don't seem to be able to make up my mind. Then trust me, said Gandalf. It is quite made up. Go away and leave it behind. Stop possessing it. Give it to Frodo. I will look after him. Bilbo stood for a moment, tense and undecided. Presently, he sighed. All right, he said with an effort. I will. Then he shrugged his shoulders and smiled rather ruefully. After all, that's what this birthday party's business was all about, really. To give away lots of birthday presents and somehow make it easier to give it away at the same. It hasn't made it any easier in the end, but it would be a pity to waste all my preparations. It would quite spoil the joke. Indeed, it would take away the only point I ever saw in this affair, said Gandalf. Very well, said Bilbo. It goes to Frodo with all the rest. He grew, drew a deep breath. And now, I really must be starting or somebody else will catch me. I have, good, I have said goodbye and I couldn't bear to do it all over again. He picked up his bag and moved to the door. You shall still have the ring in your pocket, said the wizard. Well, so I have, cried Bilbo. And my will and all the other documents, too. You had better take it and deliver it for me. That'll be safest. No, don't give the ring to me. Put it on the mantle. It will be safe there. Till Frodo comes, I shall wait for him. Bilbo took out the envelope, but just as he was about to set it by the clock, his hand jerked back and the packet fell on the floor. Before he could pick it up, the wizard stopped and seized it and set it in its place. A spasm of anger passed quickly over the hobbit's face again. Suddenly, it gave away to look with a relief and a laugh. Well, that's that, he said. Now I'm off. 
They went into the hall, and Bilbo chose his favorite stick from the stand. Then he whistled. Three dwarves coming out of different rooms where they had already been busy. Is everything ready? asked Bilbo. Everything packed and labeled. Everything, they answered. Well, let's start then. He stepped out the front door. It was a fine night, and the black sky was dotted with stars. He looked up, sniffing air. What fun! What fun it will to be off again! Off on the road with the dwarves! This is what I've really been longing for, for years. Goodbye, he said, looking at his old home and bowing to the door, bowing to the door. Goodbye, Gandalf. Goodbye for the present, Bilbo. Take care of yourself. You are old enough and perhaps wise enough. Take care. I don't care. Don't you worry about me. I am as happy now as I have ever been, and that is saying a great deal. But the time has come. I am being swept off my feet at last, he added. And then in a low voice, is to sing to himself softly in the dark. The road goes ever on and on, down from the road where it began. Now far ahead the road is gone, and I must follow it if I can, pursuing it with eager feet, until it joins some larger way, where many paths and errands meet, and whither then, I cannot say. He paused, silent for a moment, then without another word, he turned away from the lights and voices in the fields and tents, and followed by his three companies, went round into his garden and trotted down the sloping path. He jumped over a low place in the hedge at the bottom and took to the meadows, passing into the night like a rustle of wind in the grass. Gandalf remained for a while, quiet, staring after him in the darkness. "'Goodbye, my dear Bilbo, until our next meeting!' He said softly, and went back indoors. Frodo came in soon afterwards, and found him sitting in the dark, deep in thought. Has he gone? Yes, answered Gandalf. He has gone at last. I wish, I mean, I hoped until this evening that it was only a joke, said Frodo. But I knew in my heart that he really meant to go. He always used to joke about serious things. I wish I had come back sooner just to see him off. I think he preferred slipping away quietly in the end, said Gandalf. Don't be too troubled. He'll be all right now. He left a packet for you. There it is. Frodo took the envelope from the mantelpiece and glanced at it, but did not open it. You will find a will and all the other documents in there. I think, said the wizard, you are the master of Bag End now. And also, I fancy you'll find a golden ring. The ring, exclaimed Frodo. Has he left that to me? I wonder why. Still, it may be useful. It may. It may not, said Gandalf. I should not make use of it if I were you, but keep it secret and keep it safe. Now I am going to bed. As a master of Bag End, Frodo felt it is his painful duty to say goodbye to the guest. Rumors of strange events had by now spread all over the field. But Frodo would only say, No doubt everything will be cleared up in the morning. About midnight, carriages came for the important folk. One by one, they rolled away, filled with full by fair, but very unsatisfied hobbits. Gardeners came by arrangement and removed in wheelbarrows those that had intriguingly been remained behind. Night slowly passed. The sun rose, the hobbits rose, rather later morning. Morning went on. 
people came and began by orders to clear away the pavilions and the tables and the chairs and the spoons and the knives and bottles and plates and lanterns and the flowering shrubs and boxes and the crumbs and cracker paper and the forgotten bags and gloves and handkerchiefs and the uneaten food, a very small item. Then a number of other people came without orders, Parkinson's, Boffins, Boulders, and Tooks, and other guests that lived or were staying near, by midday when even the best fed were out and about again, there was a large crowd at Bag End, uninvited, but not unexpected. Frodo was waiting on the steps, smiling, but looking rather tired and worried. He welcomed all the callers, but he had not much more to say than before. His reply to all inquiries was simply this. Mr. Bilbo Baggins has gone away, as far as I know, for good. Some of the visitors he invited to come inside, as Bilbo had left messages for them. Inside in the hall there was a piled large assortment of packages and parcels and small articles of furniture. On every one there was a label tied. There were several labels of the sort. For Adelard took his very own from Bilbo on an umbrella. Adelard... Adelard had carried off many unlabeled ones. For Dora Baggins, in memory of a long correspondence with love from Bilbo on a large waste paper basket. Dora was Drogo's sister and the eldest surviving female relative of Bilbo and Frodo. She was 99 and had written reams of good advice for more than half a century. For Milo Burroughs, hoping it will be useful, from B.B., on a gold pen and ink bottle. Milo never answered letters. For Angela, for Angela's use from Uncle Bilbo, on a round convex mirror. She was a young Baggins and too obviously considered her face shapely. For the collection of Hugo Brassagradold, from a contributor, on an empty bookcase. Hugo was a great borrower of books, and worse than usual at returning them. For Labella Sackville Baggins, as a present, on a case of silver spoons, Bilbo believed that she had acquired a good many of his spoons while he was away on his former journey. Labella knew that quite well. When she arrived later in the day, she took the point at once, but she also took the spoons. This is only a small selection of an assembled presence. Bilbo's guidance had got rather cluttered up with the things in the course of his long life. It was a tendency of hoppet holes to get cluttered up, for which the custom of giving so many birthday presents was largely responsible. Not, of course, that the birthday presents were always new. There were one or two old mathoms or forgotten uses that had been circulated all throughout the district, but Bilbo had usually given new presents and kept those that he received. The old hole was now being cleared a little. Every one of the various parting gifts and labels written out personally by Bilbo and never had some point or joke, but of course most of the things were given where they would be wanted and welcome. Their poorer hobbits, and especially those of Backshot Row, did very well. Old Gaffer Gamgee got two sacks of potatoes, a new spade, a woolen waistcoat, and a bottle of ointment for creaking joints. Old Rory Brandybuck, in return for much hospitality, got a dozen bottles of old wine yards, a strong red wine from South Farthing, and now quite mature, as it had been laid out by Bilbo's father. Rory quite forgave Bilbo and voted him a capital fellow after the first bottle.
There was plenty of everything left for Frodo, and of course all the chief's treasures and books and pictures and more than enough furniture were left in his position. There was, however, no sign nor mention of money or jewelry, not a penny piece or a glass bead was given away. Frodo had a very tiring time that afternoon. A false rumor that the whole household was being distributed free spread like wildfire, and before long the place was packed with people who had no business there, but could not be kept out. Labels got torn off and mixed and quarrels broke. Some people tried to do swaps and deals in the hall, and others tried to make off with minor items not addressed to them, or with anything that seemed unwanted or unwatched. The road to the gate was blocked with barrows and handcarts. In the middle of the commotion, the suckle baggances arrived. Frodo had retired for a while and left his friend Mary Brandybuck to keep an eye on things. When Otho loudly demanded to see Frodo, Mary bowed politely. He is indisposed, he said. He is resting. Hiding, you mean, said Lobelia. Anyway, we want to see him, and we mean to see him. Just go and tell him so. Mary left them a long while in the hall, and they had time to discover their parting gifts of spoons. It did not improve their tempers. Eventually, they were shown into the study. Frodo was sitting at a table with a lot of papers in front of him. He looked indisposed to see back Savile Backhamses at any rate, and he stood up fidgeting with something in his pocket, but he spoke quite politely. The Sackle Bagginses were rather offensive. They began by offering him had bargain pieces, as between friends, for various valuables and unlabeled things. When Frodo replied that the only things specially directed by Bilbo were given to him away, they said the whole affair was very fishy. Only one thing is clear to me, said Otho, and that is that you are doing exceedingly well of it. I insist on seeing the will. Otho would have been Bilbo's heir. But for the adoption of Frodo, he read the will carefully and snorted. It was unfortunately clear and correct, according to the legal customs of hobbits, which demand, among other things, seven signatures of witnesses in red ink. Foiled again, he said to his wife, and after waiting sixty years, spoons, fiddlesticks, he snapped his fingers under Frodo's nose and stumped off. But Lobelia was not so easily got rid of. A little later, Frodo came out of the study to see how things were going on, and found her still about the place. Investigating nooks and corners, tapping the floors, he escorted her firmly off the premises, after he had relieved her of several small but rather valuable articles that had somehow fallen inside her umbrella. Her face looked as though she was in the throes of thinking out a really crushing parting remark, but all she could say turning around on the step was, "'You'll live to regret this, young fellow!' Why didn't you go too? You don't belong here. You're no baggins. You, you're, you're a brandy buck. Did you hear that, Mary? That was an insult, if you like," said Frodo as he shut the door on her. It was a compliment," said Mary Brandybuck, and so, of course, not true. Then they went round the hole and evicted three young hobbits, two boffins and a boulder, who were knocking holes in the walls of one of the cellars. Frodo also had a tussle with the young Sancho Proudfoot. Old Odo Proudfoot's grandson, who had begun as an eviction in the larger pantry, where he thought there was an echo. The legend of Bilbo's gold exited both curiosity and hope, for legendary gold, mysteriously obtained, if not possibly ill-gotten, is, as everyone knows, and anyone for the finding, unless the search is interrupted. When he had overcome, Sancho and Push 
Sancho and pushed him out, Frodo collapsed on a chair in the hall. It's time to close the shop, Mary, he said. Lock the door and don't open it to anyone today, not even if they bring a battering ram. Then he went to revive himself with a bare old cup of tea. He hardly sat down when there came a soft knock at the front door. Lobelia again, most likely, he thought. She must have thought of something really nasty and have come back to say it. It can wait. He went on with his tea. The knock was repeated, much louder, but he took no notice. Suddenly, the wizard's head appeared at the window. If you don't let me in, Frodo, I shall blow your door right down your hole and, and out the other side of the hill. My dear Gandalf, half a minute, cried Frodo, running out of the room to the door. Come in, come in, I thought it was Lobelia. Then I forgive you, but I saw her some time ago, driving a pony trap towards Bywater, with a face that would have curdled new milk. She had already nearly curdled me, honestly. I never nearly... I nearly tried on Bilbo's ring. I longed to disappear. Don't do that, said Bilbo, er, Gandalf, sitting down. Do be careful of that ring, Frodo. In fact, it is partly about that that I have come to say a last word. Well, what was it about? Well... What do you know already? Only what Bilbo told me. I have heard his story, how he found it, how he used it on his journey, I mean. Which story, I wonder, said Gandalf. Oh, no. Oh, not what he told the dwarves and put in his book, said Ferda. He told me the true story soon after I came to live here. He said you had pestered him till he told you so, so I had better know too. No secrets between us, Frodo, he said, but they are not to go any further. It's mine anyway. That's interesting, said Gandalf. Well, what do you think of it all? If you mean inventing all the stuff about a present, well, I thought this true story much more likely, and I couldn't see the point of altering it all. It was very unlike Bilbo to do so anyway, and I thought it was rather odd. So did I, but odd things may happen to people that have such treasures if they use them. Let it be a warning to you to be very careful with it. It may have powers that just making you vanish when you wish to. I don't understand, said Frodo. Neither do I, answered the wizard. I have merely begun to wander about the ring, especially since last night. No need to worry, but if you take my advice, you will use it very seldom, or not at all. At least I beg you not to use it in any way that will cause talk or rouse suspicion. I say again, keep it safe and keep it secret. You are very mysterious. What are you afraid of? I am certain, so I will. S I am not certain, so I will say no more. I may be able to tell you something when I come back. I'm going off at once, so this is a goodbye present. He got up. At once, cried Ferdo. Oh, I thought you were staying on for at least a week. I was looking forward to your help. I did mean to, but I have a change in my mind. I may be away for a good while, but I'll come and see you again as soon as I can. Expect me when you will see me. I shall slip in quietly. I shan't often be visiting the Shire openly again. I find that I have become rather unpopular. They say I am a nuisance and a disturber of the peace. Some people are actually accusing me of spiriting Bilbo away. Or worse, if you want to know, there is a supposed to be a plot between you and me to get a hold of the wealth. Some people, exclaimed Frodo. You mean Otho and Lobelia? 
How abominable! I would give them Bagan and everything else if I could get Bilbo back and go off tramping in the country with him. I love the Shire, but I begin to wish somehow that I had gone too. I wonder if I shall ever see him again. So do I, said Gandalf, and I wonder many other things. Goodbye now. Take care of yourself. Look out for me, especially at unlucky times. Goodbye. Frodo saw him to the door. He gave a final wave of his hand and walked off at a surprising pace. But Frodo thought that the old wizard looked unusually bent, almost as if he was carrying a great weight. The evening was closing in, and his cloaked figure quickly vanished into the twilight. Frodo did not see him again for a long time. Next week, we will be reading Chapter 2, The Shadow of the Past. Make sure to check on in. Luna Reports, signing out.